0: The biggest reason that people are in pain is because they're not moving. We want to get ahead of the game and essentially invest upfront so that long term we're healthy and sustainable. Because it's important that we don't cut corners or skip steps. And we just continue to build from there to have like long term sustainability. It has to be part of that. It's no different to building a business. It's no different to marketing. It's no different to anything else. There's no such thing as bad posture because reliance is a terrible strategy long term.
1: Welcome to the Nomad Solopreneur Show! I'm your host, Guy Marushka, and in today's episode, I welcome Johnny Stahl, a rehab and performance coach with over 10 years of experience, both with high-achieving business executives and founders, and also with elite athletes. He shares unbelievable insights on how, by moving more, you can increase your return of investment of your business and life. He spends the last couple of years systemizing his approach online to reach more people worldwide with the highest quality of rehab. If you're a freelancer, solopreneur or nomad that is constantly sitting, travel too much and you have any kind of discomfort when it comes to your body, this episode is a must listen. Without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Hey Johnny, welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Thanks for
0: having me. It's good to chat again. Awesome, man. Indeed. Where are you calling from? I'm in Ho Chi Minh. So I've been here about a week. Yeah, arrived last Tuesday night slowly making our way back to europe and then yeah so we've got what two more days we've actually just booked a flight yesterday for thursday back to berlin whereabouts are you
1: oh that's awesome calling from bali and i've been to vietnam before arriving here but to Danang, not what you mean what you mean is a crazy busy place i've been there four years ago
0: how do you find it yeah i loved it when i got here i think there's it's got quite a uniqueness to it it's obviously a big city but it's also got this real kind of old meets new and sort of southeast asia meets i guess westernization a little bit more so like just from the desk that i'm like i'm looking right at the finance tower right now and you've got these big buildings and modernized buildings and skyscrapers but then you go downstairs and you can get street food for like one euro at the same time so It's this cool kind of eclectic mix. It's really busy. It's not the prettiest place, but it's got its own charm. And I'm, yeah, really lucky to be here. So
1: glad to hear you enjoy it. That's the thing with Southeast Asian places. It has a mix of everything and you can enjoy the perks of the world. But please tell our listeners who's Johnny Stahl and briefly introduce yourself and your work.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm Johnny Stahl, born and grown up in Australia, in Melbourne. So I've got German roots, German blood moved to Berlin about two and a half years ago. I work as a rehab coach. So I've worked for about nine or 10 years in, I guess, the fitness health rehab industry. And I went self-employed about a year and a half ago. And throughout this period, so basically to, to go back a little bit, I met a girl just before COVID whilst traveling. And I was traveling for five months, met a girl, COVID hit, German girl. And then during COVID, we kind of it was sort of a make or break situation. We sort of started a relationship online because of COVID. We hadn't really spent much time together. And then I just said, "Screw it! I'm gonna get on a plane and get over to Germany." So I left Australia, packed my bags with a one-way ticket, moved straight into her apartment, and here we are traveling together now, which is amazing. And so in that time, I, I found a job. I was employed as a rehab specialist or sports therapist, it's called in Germany, and I. Struggled with the German health system. And on the side, I was working privately with rehab clients, and I basically just went all in on that. And the biggest thing for me was really defining what type of people bring me the most passion or bring me the most fulfillment. And I kind of really narrowed that down. So I've worked in pro sport, in pro soccer in Australia. I've worked, I've done some sort of personal training, specific like performance training. But the thing that really fulfills me most is having a great impact and helping people who have a problem. So That's basically what I do. I do one-on-one coaching mostly for 12 weeks. I've sort of looked at what the health systems around the world and what most coaches and therapists are doing and where the limitations lie. Like I think there's a real lack of clarity and accountability and a true clear plan for people. And basically I've essentially created a system that's all-inclusive. I charge more but work with less people so that I can offer a much more inclusive intensive service to help people get pain free. And not just that, but to get back to doing fun shit that they absolutely love doing. Because I think that's the biggest barrier for people in life is uh, when it comes to re- it, like pain and rehab is they start to really limit themselves. And there's a real lack of alignment with who they wanna be and what they know they should be and could be. So yeah, that's what I do. I'm kind of, a, I guess, a part-time nomad. I've been on the road for four and a half months now. I had three weddings, two in Australia, one in New Zealand. So just been bridging that time with some time in Southeast Asia and then we're going back to Berlin on Thursday and then we're gonna see what we do. We're gonna leave Europe and then it's sort of undecided what the plan is, whether we go sort of full time into nomadism or kind of have a base somewhere else. So a lot of exciting times ahead. That's awesome. I'm very curious, how do you end
1: up here? What was the turning point or transformation in your life that led you to
0: take this path? So a good question. So I, when I was growing up in Australia, I wanted to do basically one thing. I wanted to play football and soccer, and I just wanted to become a professional, probably like a lot of European blood. And it was sort of the one passion. And it was to the point where it was probably a bit like obsessive, but it was the one thing and I wanted to give it everything. I guess there were two things that probably stood in my way. Actually, not probably, definitely stood in my way. Firstly, I was injured a lot of the time. I had back issues, hip issues, like a young age at like 15, 16, 18 really affected me mentally and physically and it meant that i lost time on the pitch but it also was really frustrating and sort of debilitating and the second thing was i lacked mental toughness and that confidence borderlining arrogance and i guess i I lacked that balance between being vulnerable but also having that inner confidence and trust in myself and when i realized that i wasn't going to make it as a professional soccer player I started studying sports science and I just fell into a job through a friend at uni who uh, was actually moving over to Germany. And he basically said, look, there's a job here for you working with people in like a boutique studio in a high net worth, a sort of wealthy area in Melbourne. And these people have like problems and pain issues. And so I started working there like on a, as a freelancer on an hourly basis. And I was only 18 at the time combined with my studies and the education there, my boss then, Tony, was an absolute wizard. Like, I don't know where he got his knowledge from, but he just had some insane knowledge and abilities. And I just kind of was like a sponge just trying to absorb that. And I guess I really developed a passion for helping people, but I also developed that passion from a rehab perspective, I guess, from more of a movement, a little bit more conservative. I think a lot of people come into rehab through the other door. They love training. They become a personal trainer. And then they go, oh, shit, I kind of need to learn about rehab because everyone's in pain. They don't just have training or performance goals. Whereas I kind of came the other way, started more with the movement and the rehab approach, and then developed the sports science and the training skill set, which I'm really happy about because it's given me, it's helped me to realize my passion. But I think it's also sort of given me time, more time to, to learn finer skills. And I've digitalized that. So I've been, I work online with people around the world. When I go back to Berlin at the end of the week, starting next week, I'll do some face to face again, cause I've got some clients in Berlin, but I've currently got clients in Bali, Lithuania, Australia. Yeah. And
1: it's one of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show since majority of our listeners are aspiring nomads or sisters that are sitting all day working. It's something that affects health and introduce back pain, hips pain, problems that can affect their performance, their productivity and so on. And since you do all this coaching online and helping people with something that there is a misconception that can be done just face to face or having someone like literally touch you to put in a certain position or correct your position. I would love to hear your approach on this because it's something that excites me in the way that I believe the future of work is remote and almost all professions can be done online. So I'd love to hear your approach on
0: this and how you manage to do this remote. Yeah, for sure. It's a really good question. I'm really glad you asked it because I think there's a bit of a gap in understanding. So I'll explain it. Firstly, I'm very thankful on the one hand, I mean, COVID was terrible, right? Worldwide. But I'm thankful in the sense that it forced a lot of digitalization and particularly in my industry. Now. People ask me a lot how I digitalize it because a lot of people I get on calls with like sales calls and stuff like that they actually tend to be quite skeptical about the online pr- approach because they feel they need this face-to-face hands-on approach is it's all about understanding movement and having a system and what I mean by that is the human body is designed to move in specific ways so each muscle each structure tendon ligament bone joint they've all got specific functions And so it's really important to understand what each structure plays as a, or what role each structure has and how that works functionally throughout the human body, throughout things like walking or bending over. So when you understand that, and then when I assess people, I can see pretty quickly how they're not moving or where they're limited and where they're restricted. But generally speaking, the biggest challenge that people have and the biggest reason that people are in pain is because they're not moving and they're not moving well and they're not moving often. And so the way my system works is I always start with an analysis and I spend as much time as I need doing this analysis. So I I tend to spend around 75 minutes during the first session because I analyze as much movement as possible. So this starts with full body movement, such as squat, lunges, toe touches, so just rolling down and touching your toes, And then i break it down into more specific movements like isolated joint measures so i'll get people to lie on their back and rotate their hips and so on and the aim of that is to basically compare my findings from the full body movements because i I gain a lot of information live so i'll just be making notes whilst they're moving and whilst i'm watching it and then comparing that so i'll have my ideas and my thoughts on where people are restricted and then i break it down into more specific joint movements that they can just do themselves in space so i instruct them i show them i coach them and then i compare the results of both of those things and my idea is that ideally the joint measures should be pretty similar to what i'm guesstimating that i see in things like the squats so to simplify it it's about understanding movement that's the first thing and then seeing how people should move and seeing how people are actually moving and trying to understand why that's happening the second thing is then being able to coach and being able to communicate and cue people and i think that's probably the hardest thing because for online to work you can't just show people how to do things i mean i could but i think it's an inefficient way the way around that is to not only understand how people should be moving but how you want them to be moving right now And a lot of that is based around cueing them in specific ways and giving them analogies. So I might say, I want you to think about moving up, straight up and down like an elevator. So they might not know how to move in that way, but everyone knows how an elevator moves straight up and down. So then what they can do is they can take this analogy and they can implement it into an active movement that they're doing themselves. And what that brings as an outcome is it allows me to get the information that I need. So yeah, so there's understanding movement and then being able to coach and cue that movement. And the online results are amazing, man. It's so interesting to see how you take a old school
1: approach of hands-on to digitalizing and actually finding ways that they can put into practice without a problem, why you guide them through a video conference. And in general, speaking of the results, how long does it take, for example, For someone to start seeing improvements in the way they move in the
0: way they experience less pain it's different for everyone but generally speaking so i don't try to fix the problem in the first week or the first two weeks i try to just improve and get more information and the reason being is because it's important that we don't cut corners or skip steps it's also the reason why i want people to invest in 12 weeks because i want people to be invested in the process A big problem with um, the industry generally is that people do single sessions. So it's from a business perspective, not smart, because people may get 50% better straight away and then think, oh, I feel good enough to not need to pay more money to go back. But then a month later, the same problem comes back and they're back at square one. (laughs) But basically within a week or two, I try to get significant improvements the initial improvements though there is often a bit of a law of diminishing returns which is probably a more succinct way of explaining what i was just trying to say because when people feel better quickly obviously they're more bought in and they gain a lot of confidence and trust and confidence and trust are everything when it comes to rehab and movement some are a little bit more stubborn particularly if they've had sort of certain movement patterns for about like 20 years or something like that but generally within a week or two we can get significant changes And then we just continue to build from there to, to have like long-term sustainability. That's awesome. And what are our suggestions in order to
1: maintain that habit of constant movement or good habits when it comes to sitting less and such?
0: Yeah, this is another reason why spending more time with clients and getting them to invest in something like 12 weeks is really important because it allows us the time to build these habits, to make them more unconscious. So. Being someone who's pretty diligent and disciplined yourself, how important habit building is. And I think every digital nomad and solopreneur knows that because it's essentially the foundation of success. The hardest thing for habits is to build them initially. But when we have 12 weeks to build habits, we can make them pretty automatic and unconscious. So that's the first goal. Because once we've got that, once we're done after 12 weeks, it's essentially part of their normal life. Not performing that habit is almost like the foreign thing. That's the first thing. The second thing is I use an app. So with all of my clients, I do one 60 minute session a week. The analysis tends to go a bit longer. And then after that, we do 60 minutes together every week online. And to bridge the gap between those sessions, I use a training app where I have videos, about 90% of the videos are of me. So explaining and doing like a tutorial of each exercise, there's sets, reps, weights, written explanations like a step-by-step on how to perform each exercise so the biggest thing for me is the sessions that we do or at the time i spend with my clients is more actually like an assessment and analysis and constant update of the program and i put a lot of weight on them actually doing the work themselves because what i say to everyone at the start when we work together is i don't want them to rely on me they need to rely on themselves and become sustainable So within that habit building process, I use the app to allow them, I give them as much knowledge and education as they need and can handle. And I basically nurture them over this 12-week period and say, hey, you can start to take more of the responsibility yourself because you need to be sustainable long-term. So that's where it's not just about the single sessions, but it's about everything that goes behind the scenes. So I track every day who does what on the app, and I can see whether they complete their sessions or not. And I send them a WhatsApp message straight away if they don't. And it might be like, today was a travel day, so I just couldn't get it in and I messed up. I screwed up my timings or I I did it, but I forgot to log it or just, but it's important that they're held accountable so that they can build the habit, so that they can take control, so that they're sustainable for themselves long-term because reliance is a terrible strategy long-term.
1: Indeed, man, that's an amazing approach because that way you're not only (laughs) hands-on, digital approach in the one-on-one weekly session, but being able to hold them accountable through the app and actually seeing if they do the work or not, it's amazing, and speaking of traveling and of course, digital nomading, self-employment that you can forget about yourself and just work all day, do you have any actionable tips, someone that is in this situation that they don't find time to move, to take some pauses from uh, the work session and such in order to apply some of these uh, workouts or uh, movements that you teach your uh, clients
0: yeah for sure i think the biggest thing is consciously blocking time and, and so just like we block any other meeting or we block our lunch break or we would block anything else or we go to sleep at a certain time movement has to be part of that because the unfortunate reality about movement and the human body and being a solopreneur ironically enough is that it's not a problem until it's a problem and when it's a problem it's kind of too late so think about it like marketing from a marketing perspective if we're using linkedin as a marketing tool when we start posting on linkedin we're not going to get we're probably not going to get inbound leads straight away it's probably going to take three months or something like that but we know that we have to build the groundwork and it's the same with movement we want to get ahead of the game and essentially invest upfront so that long-term we're healthy and sustainable. My tip would be to start the day with movement because we start to get blood flowing and we start to get fluids pumping through the joints, which is really important. That's a great option. I think even if it's just as simple as a walk or just doing 15 minutes of mobility in the morning, like full body mobility... I think that's an awesome way to start the day. And it's very easy because we can just do it before we get on the laptop or before we do anything else. We can just you know that there's kind of no excuse to just get it done. The second thing I'd say is to just block time, just even 15 minutes, like 15 minutes during the lunch break or at some point to, to just prioritize movement. And again, talking about habit building, you know, once we build the habit, we build it neurally in our brain. We want to do it because it feels so good. It's the hardest thing for people is to build the habit because we're breaking a cycle in the brain. Once we've built that habit and we've overcome that friction and resistance, movement feels great. Everyone wants to move. Everyone, Everyone wants to feel good physically. It's just a matter of actually doing the work to get it done. It's no different to building a business. It's no different to marketing. It's no different to anything else. Just simply got to get the reps in. And the best way to do it is just start your day with it and put a 15 minute block in. Yeah, In the same way, as you mentioned, that feels
1: good it comes from dopamine because doing exercise releases dopamine and makes you feel good. And love those tips because it's something that apply in my own life. Every single day when I woke up before doing anything, like before showering, before brushing my teeth, I took out the yoga mat and start to full body movement, as you mentioned, and stretch my body, do 10 push-ups and 10 squats in order to pump that blood. And after that, I do a cold shower and I'm ready to go and energize. And another technique that I apply in my own life, that it's a constant movement, a constant work from the laptop is to use the Pomodoro technique and block 50 minutes of work with 10 minutes break. And in those 10 minutes break, I make sure I raise myself from the computer, not just switching from laptop to phone or something. If I'm in a, like close in space, I just move around the room. Or if I'm able to go outside, I'll just go outside for a five minutes walk and come back and get back to it. And those short breaks does wonders. I was struggling all my life as well with back pain, with bad posture, which I still try to correct. And this, by the way, is a new topic that I want to discuss with you. And all these small things that in general, we try to find excuses that we don't have time for it. They do wonders, not only making us feel good, but as well to be able to feel energized and actually be able to work more after that. And going back to the posture thing, because it's something that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to working from a laptop.
0: How do you go about it? How many people come to you with that problem? So let me throw a spanner in the works and confuse you a little bit. There's no such thing as bad posture. Okay. There's just a lack of movement and a lack of range of motion, right? And, And stiffness. So if someone sits and they've got kind of a rounded back and their head's poking forward, but they're pain free and they can actually move in all directions really well, I'd not say that they have bad posture because they're much more functional and capable than 98% of the people, right? In the Western society, probably in the world really. And whereas I know people, so a client started with me three or four weeks ago and he's like, man, my my neck, my shoulders, everything, and I sit up right, and I try to sit well, and I've got a straight back, and after like ten minutes, my, I'm just like everything's aching, and it's because he, he's constantly tense, and he's not actually able to relax. So it's a bit of a the posture paradox. Is, there's a bit of irony around it because people try to have this perfect posture, but what they're doing is they're never actually relieving them. So to to answer your question. Quite a few people come to me with posture-related issues, and it tends to not be just posture where they say, I just want to fix my posture, but it tends to manifest in other ways, like they've had neck discomfort for ages, they've got like a shoulder pain, back pain, things like that. The way around it is to stay mobile, and more specifically, we actually need space in our body. So I'll grab, I'm going to close this water bottle actually, and I'll show you what I mean by that. For people who can't see, I'm holding a water bottle and I've got my hands on either side. And people basically just get squished. They run out of space in their body. And then what happens is they just get squished from all sides, front, back, side to side. So they don't actually have room to move. And then that creates stiffness. So when they try to then rotate or side bend or lift their arm, their shoulder blade and shoulder joint doesn't actually have the space to move in and out of. And the most amazing way to do that is by breathing. Now people are probably going to listen to this and be like, yeah, we all breathe. What's this guy on about? But hear me out. So when we breathe and we inhale and we actually breathe in all directions, 360 degrees, and we don't just breathe in by sucking in through our neck and lifting, breathing into our upper chest, what actually happens is we inhale and that air, the inhalation of air creates space in the body. And it actually opens up and mobilizes joints and it lengthens muscles. And then when we exhale, we get the opposite. So what we actually do when we take nice, relaxed breaths, inhaling through the nose and expanding in all directions, is we actually create space in the body. So a really great way, for example, like quick neck pain relief or just to create just to like relieve a bit of like postural stiffness is actually to put your arms on desk for argument's sake with your elbows in front of you and just to slowly from this position inhale without pulling through your neck nice and relaxed and just you feel the air expand in the rib cage in all directions because the lungs are expanding the joints are mobilizing the muscles are lengthening and then we exhale out the mouth letting all the air out and all of a sudden we've got sort of like this pump mechanism and we can actually temporarily relieve a lot of postural discomfort then we can start to move the arms and rotate the spine and stuff like that the challenge that most people have is they don't have the space and they're trying to move so that's where i start with virtually every client actually like anyone that's got back or neck pain or shoulder pain i'll test them and then we'll almost always start with a breathing exercise That's brilliant. And
1: I can share some examples from my own experience as well, since this is literally untapped potential of proper breathing. And I was working, speaking of digital nomadism, I was working in a corking space one day, two years ago, and I literally tried to get up. I was like sitting probably for two hours back then I wasn't implementing the Pomodoro technique and I was sitting for like two hours. And I felt blocked. Like I wasn't able to turn my head around. I wasn't able to literally bend down and pack my things in the bag. I was like, what the heck is happening? I was in Bali and I was like, I should go to a massage. Maybe they are able to release. I tried, it didn't work. And I was start searching online and I found an article about breathing. And I start to do some breathing exercise. And all of a sudden, as you mentioned, like I feel unlocked and I was able to start moving. The pain was like slowly going away. I still feel a bit stiff because it's not like a miracle going away out of the sudden and continue to do those exercising. And two days later, I was pain-free and I was able to move freely. But in my case, it was really bad. Probably for continuous sitting for hours, day after day, at some point, neck and upper back got blocked. And I was like holy shit, this is not good. But that breathing exercises really helps. So yeah, for those listening that are struggling with, this is
0: something that you should definitely take into consideration. Yeah, for sure. It's the lowest hanging fruit, in my opinion. The one thing I will say where a lot of people go wrong is that they quite literally have an inability to inhale, sort of breathe the air in without pulling with their neck and shoulders. So when we breathe, we should actually expand from the bottom up so not just belt not belly breathing but actually 360 degrees in all directions so if we put our hands like on our waist you should and you inhale you should feel that the air expands into your hands and then only at the very end does your rib cage rise and you get a little bit of tension through your neck and your shoulders but that's that should only be at the very end of the inhalation most people who sit a lot and have postural issues I think you'll find that they tend to breathe in very shallow. So they actually can't breathe in very well. And they tend to pull with their neck and shoulders. So they're lifting, they're basically pulling their shoulders up to their head. And they only breathe, pardon me, into their upper chest. So they're not actually able to get any air like into their back. So I think like by back, I mean between the shoulder blades. And so that's one reason where people get really compressed and they really lack the ability to move their shoulders and their neck. Is because they just they're not able to breathe and expand and mobilize and create in that area and then that can have some real cascading effects on things like neck pain because a lot of neck muscles attach onto the ribs and the shoulder blade and and so on so if you're gonna think about breathing just sit upright on a seat or lay down feet flat on the ground so knees bent and just try to relax your neck as much as possible and try to breathe in all directions. So I have a client that he had the same thing. He was really really active. He's really into like biohacking and stuff like that. And we did one set of breathing exercises. And I think after the first three breaths, he actually had a tear come out, like a release of tension. He wasn't crying, but it was just like a release of tension. And he does stretching and mobility every day, but he just wasn't able to let go of tension and relax. And since then his shoulder and neck issues have gotten way better. Yeah, it's crazy. that's
1: awesome, man. And I want to challenge you into building something, starting with this first step of uh, breathing, I'm almost certain that most of the listeners of this podcast might experience the pain and issue that we are describing here. I know it's not that easy to create something without actually knowing the exact struggles people have, but to come up with universal framework for those that are experiencing the most common pains from sitting. What would be the other steps people have to take beyond breathing in order to improve their
0: pain release? So I think two things above all, move well and move often. And by moving well, generally, I mean, don't move into pain or discomfort, but just move through pain-free ranges of motion and just build it up day by day. So it's really important that we build the reps and move frequently enough to actually get blood flow and allow the fluid in the joints to actually move and to create space in the body and to kind of, I say, grease the groove, like to oil up the areas, so to say. So I wouldn't necessarily move through pain. I would move to through a pain-free range of motion and I would move in all directions. So like one of the most underrated ways to move is by rotating. So when you think about a lot of training that people do, a lot of people do things like squats and lunges and, and like, Bench press and pulling exercises, it's all forward, back, up, and down. What most people actually need is just diversity of movement. They need movement variability in all directions. That might just be reaching and opening one side of your upper body and closing the other side and then changing. So, like alternating movement. So, just even just reaching one arm to the sky, bringing it down, reaching the other arm, or reaching one arm across the body and rotating and then reaching the other side. So, here we close. The left side and we open up the other side and just what we basically need is we need this constant interplay of the two sides of the body to allow active movement and to allow blood and fluids to flow because what that will actually do is it will one warm up areas but it will actually create space in the body so to like summarize that i would start with a breathing exercise either sitting upright probably lying on the ground to relax the neck and then just focus on moving rotating touching the toes in various ways because that's what most people lack and particularly those that sit a lot and those that fly a lot and those that are digital nomads and solopreneurs we're not getting enough movement in various directions
1: yeah unfortunately that's true and i can totally relate rotation movement made a huge impact on my life i found a short video about how important it is to do a certain type of exercise, the one that you show with the hands up in the same time with a forward lunge and by bending on the sides and that opened my hip so nicely. And a lot of my lower back problems actually came from that point. Like my hips were so stiff. I wasn't moving them. Personally, I don't remember last time when I had lower back pain, I didn't uh, literally correlate the back pain with the hips. And speaking of this, what other misconception in terms of body parts are in this industry that you're into? Like people usually associate probably head pain with something else or it's just an example, but I'm sure you can give some literally
0: good examples of misconceptions. Oh, I love this question. Thank you so much for asking it because this is yeah, something I'm really passionate about, breaking down misconceptions. So, to answer it to, to just go back to your point which is often a misconception hip mobility is perhaps the most underrated thing so a lot of people that have low back pain i'd say 90 percent of people that i see that have low back pain can just have really limited movement through the hips and the pelvis and if you look at where the hips and pel- the hip joints sit in the pelvis and the pelvis is right below the lower back or essentially connects it's essentially just like yeah below the connects the spine onto the pelvis through the sacrum. And people who have low back pain generally have really limited and poor hip mobility. So that would be one misconception that back pain people have low back pain that the back is the problem. Most often the back is not the problem. It's that they're just not getting movement and they're not getting movement in areas like the hips and the pelvis. That's the first thing. The second thing is I actually think posture. So everyone thinks that you should have your chest up in your shoulders back. But the biggest problem with people is, as I explained before, when we're talking about the posture and the breathing, is people tend to be really compressed through their back and they tend to oftentimes not be able to actually breathe and open up their back, but they just naturally breathe into their upper chest. So by lifting your chest up and pulling your shoulders back, you further close off your back and you just basically bias this poor pattern of in which case you just continue to breathe into the chest. Whereas what people actually need is they need this full 360 degree expansion and opening of their rib cage and to allow the actual spinal joints as well and the ribs and everything around it like the shoulder blade which sits on the rib cage to actually move and mobilize that's the second one i'll come up with one more for you stretching i think stretching is supremely overrated people stretch muscles because they feel that their muscles are tight The problem with this is that muscles attach onto bones or joints, right? So the muscle length and function is a product of the position of bones or joints. So if the pelvis is pushed forward or like rotated down, as a lot of people have, people say that they have tight hip flexors. The problem is that they can stretch their hip flexors and they'll feel short-term relief But straight away, once they sit down for 10 minutes again, their hip flexor tightness will return or they'll walk for 10 minutes because of the position of the pelvis, because the hip muscles attach onto the pelvis and onto the lower back. So the hip flexor muscles, sorry. So changing the position of the pelvis will actually change the whole length of the hip muscles. And this goes for muscles all around the body, generally speaking, which actually relieves that tension so it's really unfortunate because people waste a lot of time stretching muscles to get short-term relief because it relaxes the muscle, but it's they're treating the symptom. They're not actually fixing the root cause, which is the position of the bones or the joints. So actually changing the position of the bones or the joints will naturally relieve the symptom being something like hip flexor or hamstring tightness. But the problem is that the industry is really stubborn and people don't like to change a lot of the time so people will keep stretching and treating the symptom but i work with people that like i have a, who i'm working on a, her knee at acl rehab and she's had a hip issue for like seven years in one session we did two sets of breathing exercises and her hip impingement joint issue was way better just because we changed that we just moved the position of the pelvis a little bit and created a little bit more space in the hip joint had nothing to do with the, like the i mean the muscles function as a result But I treated the root cause, not the symptom. So so stretching the hip would have helped it short term. But the problem was there for seven years. So clearly it wasn't working. That's amazing. And
1: I think another way for those listening and sitting all day to basically change the position is to change the position of your laptop, literally from a standing desk to a sitting desk and such. And alternating the movement between this, for me, at least works wonders. Because otherwise, if you just sit all day. You're both in the same situation. You don't change the position of the pelvis. And for example, now a lot of modern desk appears in which you literally lay down and the keyboard comes here and your monitor is on top of you, like laying in bed by alternating the position beyond the sitting and the standing desk. Do you think those type of approaches works or literally reduce the movements more and You don't use the body at all like
0: since you're literally laying down i'll say two things firstly most people have issues because they're doing too much of one thing and not enough of other things so let's say people that have like postural related issues or, or like back issues they tend to be doing things like sitting too much and not enough of moving and going into varying their positions that might be things like touching their toes rounding their spine that's another misconception a lot of people think you have to have a straight spine people actually need to round in their spine to lengthen the back muscles and open up the the spinal joints so so people tend to have issues and come into pain issues because they're doing too much of one thing and not enough of other things runners are a great example they're running forward all the time and they're not getting enough variability through movement and they get overload issues often A, a great solution to that is to just mix up the way you move and the way you sit and the way you work. So that might be kind of sitting a little bit more on the sit bones. It might be sitting a little bit more on the left side, a little bit more on the right side. It might be just allowing your posture to roll a little bit, sitting a little bit more upright, standing a little bit more on one leg, standing a little bit more on the other leg. I haven't really seen the the lying down postural solutions, but... I would imagine if people are kind of lying down and then they're bringing their head forward, that would probably naturally over time put a fair bit of strain on the neck because of gravity. Gravity is like a down force. If your head's kind of poking at a at an angle, that will sort of stress the neck. I probably would, wouldn't recommend that. I think people just need to just get more movement and, and variability in their life. I think, generally speaking, in life, I think we can all agree that anything that's worth having, whether that's like a pain-free body or whether that's like a successful business or being a digital nomad, you've always got to do hard things that you sometimes don't want to do and you've got to be disciplined. That's just the reality of life. That's the beauty of life. Life is always a challenge. Quick fixes and hacks like these TheraGuns and yeah, like, I don't know, these postural, like those postural support braces and things like that, that essentially just promote laziness are generally not the long-term solution. It's just the reality of life is that we have to move. We have to load our bodies. There's no way around that. Definitely, because every time that we don't use the body that
1: was actually built to be used, we just put less and less stress on the muscles and they won't work properly anymore. And speaking of, uh, you mentioned challenges. What are the most common challenges your clients usually face into applying what you
0: teach? I think the biggest challenge is, I think, two challenges. One is being consistent. It's just, yeah, I think h- humans these days are just very distracted. It's just a very distracted generation or moment in, ex- in human existence, particularly in a Western society with technology. And so just as a reminder, start your day with movement and block 15 to 30 minutes of movement in your calendar to, to troubleshoot that. I think the second thing is actually relaxing We discussed the breathing and tension and things like that one thing that a lot of people i work with actually have an issue with and this is actually probably another misconception coming up with all the misconceptions which is great is people actually struggle to detension and relax their body so if we go back to that posture example chest up shoulders back we're creating so much tension we're trying to fix tension with more tension But what most people actually need, particularly those that work digitally or in tech, is they actually need to relax. They actually need to learn to relax their mind and their body and their whole system. They need to learn how to breathe without using neck and shoulder muscles to pull in the air. Like I work with some clients who literally at the start cannot take a full breath in pulling with certain muscles because they just don't know how to live without tension and it makes sense even for people who are listening who don't work in this industry you can't have tension all the time obviously at certain times when we strength train and we perform certain movements yes we need tension of course but the problem that people have is that they can never relax the tension or detention yeah
1: indeed and uh, since i know the amazing results you provide to your clients to overcome these challenges and to actually start moving. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you
0: if they want to work with you? Sure. So www.johnnystyle.com. That's J O N Y S T A H L.com. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I post virtually every day. I try to offer as much free information and educational sources and insights as possible. And I've got a couple of great free resources on there. So I've got like a free mobility routine. I actually tend to direct most people to that who don't know where to start. So people want to start with their movement journey or learn how to breathe properly and learn how to perform mobility in a relaxed way and improve how they move and feel, but don't know how. That's a great option. I was just at the gym last night with my girlfriend's brother here in Ho Chi Minh, came to surprise us. And I had the idea to set up a free resource for people who travel because he was just on a long flight over here. So I'll hopefully set that up and put it on my LinkedIn as a free resource in the next maybe week or two. And so my LinkedIn's is johnnystyle.com. I forgot to mention that. And my Instagram is at johnny underscore style. So I'm less active than I used to be, but there's a couple of years worth of really nice content and videos and stuff like that. So hopefully if one person learns something, then I've done my job. Sweet. love that. And for those listening,
1: make sure to check the show notes as well, because I put all these links that Johnny mentioned in the show notes. And uh, since I know that you're all about providing value, let's challenge this time, our listeners to go through a 24 hour challenge that can help them improve their movements and to actually start this journey of uh, living a more healthier life and avoiding future problems, sitting all day and such. Do you have something they can apply in less than 24 hours that
0: can start this journey forward? Sure. Do you mind if I give them a bonus challenge and add it to a week? Can we do that? Please do that. Yeah. Okay. So let's do the same challenge, but we'll extend it to a week. So in the next 24 hours, when you listen to this, I challenge you to block 15 minutes at some time during the day and then to start the following morning once after you wake up just to do 15 minutes of movement at each time. Spend 15 minutes moving your body in all different ways and staying pain-free. And that might be by spending five minutes lying down with your knees bent and feet flat on the ground and just trying to breathe with as little tension and as much relaxation as possible. If you could do that one day in a row, why not do that seven days in a row and just start to build the habit in your brain to spend 15 minutes when you wake up in the morning. Just do something fun. It might be walking, it might be just playing around it might be dancing it might be just move there's no right or wrong just try to not you know induce pain stay pain free block 15 minutes at the same time every day in your calendar maybe right before you eat lunch or you grab a coffee i think that's a great option because you've already got a habit there so you can just add it on it's called habit stacking and just do that and see how you go and i bet you that after a week you'll start to enjoy the habit that's amazing thanks johnny
1: this habit building of healthy movement in your life can have so many benefits so you'll be more productive you'll feel better you'll feel energized and yeah literally can change the way you do anything in life
0: it literally improves business like you'll literally increase your business revenue by moving more and being healthier Like it's just that simple and you feel better and live a happy life <laughs> exactly and what's better than that Awesome, and
1: Thank you so much. And again, thanks, everyone, for listening. This was Gabe with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. And Johnny, a that shares some amazing tips. Make sure to check the show notes as well. And until next week, Pura Vida!